perhaps the sweetest sound that ever penetrated the human ears is the glorious, unmatchless gospel of Jesus Christ. The greatest news, Brother Marcus, that has ever thrilled the human heart did not come from NBC or ABC or my favorite channel, CNN. But it is the splendid and resplendent gospel of Jesus Christ. The glorious gospel is not found in Microsoft, in Carta, Britannica, Encyclopedia, Darwin's origin of the species, the Quran, or the catechism. But in this grand old book that we call the Bible, the urgent need of this old sinful world is to hear, to receive, and to obey the unadulterated word of Almighty God. I hope you're listening this morning, church. Some people may laugh at it. And if we keep it real, I know some of us become frustrated when we share the gospel over and over again, but yet our family, our friends, our neighbors, and our co-workers continue to reject the word of God. But I en encourage you and urge you to remember that if they rejected Christ, they'll certainly reject you. Some people may laugh at it. Some may mock this gospel. Some may scorn this gospel. And others might even denounce it and reject it. But I stopped by CP this morning to declare without a fear of successful contradiction that it is still the gospel, the saving power of Jesus Christ and God themselves. It is still the gospel of divine revelation. Although men may reject it, it is still the gospel of sweet salvation. Although men may denounce it, it is still the gospel of amazing grace. And I don't know about you this morning, but I thank God for his amazing grace. Because if it wasn't for the grace of God, none of us would be saved on this morning. It's a gospel that might be mocked and scorned. But I stop by to tell you, it is still the gospel that gives everlasting life. In this modern and mundane world, there are many conflicting gospels that we hear all over the nation soliciting man's alliance and soliciting men to take part of, obey, and to preach. But I come to tell you, there is no gospel like the gospel of Jesus Christ. But there are many gospels. There are what you call the secular gospel. That has nothing to do with spirituality or spiritual things. There's the humanistic gospel. There's the liberal gospel. The charismatic gospel. The health and wealth claimed gospel. The progressive gospel. There's the watered down gospel. There's the cold gospel. There's the racist and exclusive gospel and there's even many new gospels but I hear 
that globe-trotting catamician by the name of Paul in Galatians chapter 1. Y'all going to walk with me this morning? Chapter 1, verse 6 through 9. The, this verse, uh, Brother Johnson still brings shivers all over my body when I read it. I hear Paul say, I marvel that you are so soon removed from him that called you into the grace of Christ unto another gospel which is not another but there be some that trouble you and would pervert change corrupt the gospel of Christ but though we or an angel from heaven uh, preach any other gospel unto you than that which ye have preached unto you let him be a curse as we said before so I say now again if any man preach any other gospel unto you than that ye have received let him be a curse I come to tell you and remind your friends that when Jesus came to this world he did not come to make uh, make uh, mothers and daughters friends he did not come to make fathers and sons friends but Jesus said I come to make them enemies what do you mean Jesus anybody who does not preach teach or live of the gospel of Christ is an enemy to Christ I think that ought to tell you that this word compromise means to give a part of the truth which does not hurt anyone and uh, that, that men say doesn't hurt anyone and which does not offend anyone the word compromise means trying to create a certain image that we want people to have uh, about us rather than permitting the power of God to work in us to glorify God through the lives that we live. This topic, evangelizing without compromising, it impacts a very strong challenge. It could be stated evangelize or compromise. Or it could be stated evangelize or simply die. Because this word evangelize, it means to live and to teach Jesus in such a way that men and women will fall out with the ways of the world and fall in love with Jesus Christ. I want to remind you this morning that Jesus still says and God still declares that this gospel still has saving power. And when we talk about evangelizing, I want you to understand that we're not talking about carrying our Bibles and walking from door to door, knocking on the door, saying I'm from the Central Point Church. Can I please come in? That's not the way they did it in the first century. What they did, they first lived the word. I wish I had some help in here. I said, Pat, they first lived the word, and in their living is what attracted others to them. And the Bible teaches us in Acts 2 that when they went from house to house, they were not going from house to house knocking on the door. They were going from house to house in fellowship. Now, what does that mean? That means making relationship. Hello, somebody. You cannot have fellowship until you have relationship. <laughs> oh, Lord, have mercy. To evangelize is to seek to get all the lost to accept Jesus Christ in order to be saved. I hear Mary's baby and the sweetest lamb say again in Matthew 28, 19 and 20. He says, go ye therefore into all the world and teach 
all nations. This is a command and it's not an option, church. I said it is a command and not an option. So many of us are waiting for folk to be saved from the pulpit preaching. The pulpit preaching is for a day of celebration, a day of rejuvenation, a day of revival. The real preaching takes place in your lives outside of the sanctuary. This is the commandment, and it's not an option. Jesus said, for the Son of Man has come to save that which is lost, Matthew 18 and verse number 11. Jesus spent his life in pursuit of this marvelous goal. He never did miracles simply to entertain anybody. His miracles were done in order that souls might be saved. Listen to the record if you would. John chapter 2 and verse number 1. He turned water into wine to reveal that his gospel was new and powerful. In Matthew chapter 12, y'all know the record. Verse number 9. He healed the withered hand of a man in the synagogue and taught that preaching without power is doomed to fail. In Matthew 14 and verse 3, y'all know the word. He opened up a restaurant restaurant on the mountainside uh, fed 5,000 am I right about it uh, that he might declare that he was the bread of life uh, he raised Lazarus uh, from the dead to tell people that he had power over death uh, and I stopped by here this morning to remind every sin sick soul uh, and if you don't know who that is uh, just look in the mirror <laughs> cause all of us have some spiritual sickness uh, I stopped by to remind you that Jesus still got all power. It does not matter what you're going through. Jesus got power to conquer it. Doesn't matter what's challenging you. He still got power to conquer it. If your mama is sick, I know he's able. If your daddy is sick, he is still able. If your child is in jail, I stop by to tell you God still able. If you're low on money and high on bills, he is still a, I wish I was talking to the right crowd if you got haters and contrite people in your life backbiting you and stepping you in the belly God is still able if you're struggling through a marriage he's still got power if you're struggling through relationships on your job he's still got power if you're struggling with the greatest enemy of all time the enemy that's within you he's still got power because Jesus has declared he's got all of it I said he got all of it evangelism I need to tell you and I want to remind Central Point, evangelism is the number one business of the church. I said it's the number one business of the church. It's not giving out clothes. It's not giving out food. It's not uh, putting shoes on folk feet. That's all good ministry and it's good work. But the number one business of the church is saving souls. Too many of our congregations are no longer soul-saving institutions they are worship centers hello somebody worshiping societies and their main emphasis is holding services and social events the average member of the church of christ has heard four thousand sermons sung twenty thousand songs. i'm talking about the average member participated in 8,000 public prayers and converted zero sinners. 
How many Christians do you know who are actually involved in some kind of regular, effective, evangelistic outreach ministry? How many of us sitting here today have brought one soul to Christ since we've been saved? Even some ministers are not providing leadership for evangelism. Somebody said that if there's icebergs in the pew, <laughs> there must be a penguin in the pulpit. In a country that is filled with unprecedented crimes, mind-boggling immorality, jellyfish convictions, staggering teenage pregnancy, devastating drugs and doctrines, leading men and women to everlasting destruction, I come by to tell you, it's time for the church to get back to saving souls. The apostles and the first century church gave God their best in soul winning CP. And they had fantastic results. Every child of God is in danger today. Every child of God is in dangerous today and living in dangerous days. But we ought to have that as an influence and a motivator for us to get back to winning souls for Jesus. I hear the wise men say in Proverbs 11 and 30, he that winneth souls is wise. God Almighty gave heaven's best, his son, his only and begotten son. And the son gave his best, his life on Calvary. God gave Jesus, and Jesus gave his life. But I want to remind you that God has given us the best things in life. Am I right about it? I told my Sunday school class this morning that Jesus has not only saved us through the ministry of reconciliation, but he then declares, Paul declares that he then turns around and gives us the ministry of reconciliation. Why did you do it? Because I wanted you to have the best of all things. And he has given us the best. That's why all of us should want everybody around us to be saved so they can enjoy the best. He's given us the best savior. He's given us the best captain of our salvation. He's given us the best head of the church. He's given us the best church in the world. He's given us the best plan of salvation. He's given us the best order of worship. He's given us the best leaning pulse in times of weariness. He's given us the best way maker when we can see no way. Am I talking to anybody in here this morning have come to a point in their life where they couldn't see how they were going to get out of their trouble. They couldn't see how they were going to make it out of their muck and mire. But they trusted God. And I come to tell you there will come a time in your life when God will reveal to you uh, that you don't have anything left but God. But that's when you will realize that all you need is God because God will give you the best. Am I right about it? I said God will give you the best. Let me tell you as I make my way to my seat, if we as Christians 
are going to become productive Christians, if we're going to become CP, effective Christians, if we're going to become effective soul winners, uh, prayer warriors, and spiritual power workers, uh, we must give our best back to God. God is our example in all things, and what God has done, first of all, is given us his best, and so therefore God requires us to give him our best. I want to ask you, is God worthy? I say, is God worthy for us to give him our best? I stopped by to ask you, who do you think it was that picked you up the last time you were down? <laughs> who do you think it was who loved you when nobody else would love you? <laughs> who do you think it was that loved you when you were so unlovable? Who do you think it was that cared for you when nobody else cared. Who do you think it was that died for your sins when you couldn't pay the debt yourself? Who do you think it was that delivered you from spiritual bondage? I tell you, God is worthy. I hear him say in Revelations chapter 5, verse 9 and 19, and they sung a new song saying, Thou art worthy to take the book and to open the seal thereof, for thou wast slain and has redeemed us to God by the blood out of every kindred and tongue and people and nation, and has made us unto our God kings and priests, and we shall reign on earth. I'm telling you, he is more than worthy. Nobody but God picked you up out of the muck and mire, turned you around, placed your feet on solid ground. That's why he is so worthy. We should bend our knees before him because he is worthy. We should bow our heads before him because he is worthy. We should submit ourselves to his will because he is worthy. We should walk in his footsteps because he is worthy. We should proclaim his gospel because he is worthy we ought to give him our best because he is worthy and I don't know about you but I get excited when I think about how much he loved me in order to give me his best I was wretched I was filled with sin Paul said we were even dead in the midst of our sins. There was nothing that was attractive about us. But God, our Heavenly Father, just like a mother looks at a newborn that doesn't look too good, but all the mother sees is love because of her sacrifice. That's what God sees when he looks down on us. We might be a little maimed spiritually. We might be a little dirty spiritually. But when God looks upon us, he does not see the flesh he see the covering of his son's blood that was shed for you and I at Calvary that's why he's worthy I said that's why he's worthy I said that's why he's worthy of all of our best without successful contradiction I believe that most Christians could bear more than they are bearing when they realize the goodness of God I believe that more Christians, most Christians, could win more souls for the Lord if they just really understand the blessings of God. I believe that most Christians could still rejoice more than they are rejoicing 
if they had a better and closer intimate relationship with God. I just believe with all of my heart uh, that more Christians uh, could serve better if they understood the service that God gave us uh, from his throne in glory. I believe that most Christians uh, could live closer to the Lord uh, if they understood just how close uh, he is to us. Uh, Jesus told his disciples uh, that when you go into all the world, uh, he said, I'll be with you always, uh, even to the end of the age or of the world. We need to understand we have a gift like nobody else has. The very presence of God in our life. That's why David was able to declare, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why, David? He says, for thou are with me. Don't you understand why we should give God our best? Because that's all he's ever done for us was give us his best. Paul gave his best to the Lord in evangelism. He expressed it this way in 1 Corinthians 9 and verse 22. Paul said, I have made all things to all men that I might be all means or by all means save some. Some laid back church members will criticize Paul. They'll criticize his zeal for evangelism. Some folk will say, oh, it don't take all of that, Paul, to be a Christian. Well, I don't know, CP, how you feel about it. But I admire Paul as a globe-trotting soul winner for Jesus. You see, Paul understood that if the will of the Lord would be done, sacrifice would have to be made. And I want to tell you as I prepare to go to my seat, every child of God that's a member of this church, I want you to understand your work and your service will never become better will never become greater, will never become more productive until you make up in your mind that Christianity is a sacrifice. You will never give more in your offering without sacrifice. You will never give more of your time without sacrifice. You will never give more of your talent without sacrifice. You will never go beyond what your body say you can do until your mind makes a spiritual sacrifice. You can sit here and hear all kinds of encouragement. You can hear it all year long. But until you realize and make up in your mind that we become partakers with Jesus Christ in this ministry, he gave his life, so therefore we must sacrifice ours. And until you make up in your mind to do that, you will never become a greater servant. I hear Paul say of the Jews five times received our 40 stripes, save one. But I kept on winning souls. I hear him say thrice I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Thrice I suffered shipwreck. Night and day I have been in the deep. But I kept on saving souls. In journeying often, I hear Paul say in perils of water. In perils of robbers. In perils by the heathen in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils of the sea, in perils of false, among false brothers. And Paul said that the worst thing I suffered was false brother, but I kept on saving souls. I hear him say in weariness and in painfulness, in watching often hunger and thirst, 
in fasting often and in the cold and even in nakedness. But I hear Paul says, I kept on saving souls. Listen to what he says, Colossians 1.23. Some 30 years after the Great Commission was given, Paul could write that the gospel was preached to every creature under heaven. I think I hear somebody singing now. As I go to my seat, Brother Spence, I think I hear somebody singing. If when you give the best of your service, telling the world that the Savior is come, be not dismayed. When men do not believe you, he'll understand. And he'll say, Sierra, well done. Oh, when I come to the end of my journey, weariness of life and the battle is won. Carrying the staff and the cross of redemption, he'll understand and he'll say, well done. I think I told you last week, last Wednesday, and I'll tell you again today. The reason I can go home and go to sleep at night is because I know that I'm giving God my best. And I know that I'm doing what God has called me to do. And I have understood and I realize and I've grown up in the word to know that all we can do is plant and all we can do is water. But the growth is in the hands of God. But the question is, are you doing your part? That's the question. Evangelizing without compromising. If you're here today and you need to be saved from your sins, I'm going to ask you to come down one of these aisles when just a moment we're going to sing a song to invite you. I'm going to ask you to repent of your sins, Luke 13, 3 and 5. Simply mean that you have a change of heart, no longer wanting to walk in this world by your will, but by the will of God. Confess that Christ is the Son of God, Matthew 10 and 32. Be buried in the watery grave of baptism for the remission of your sins, Romans 6 and 4. Paul says, therefore, we are buried with him by baptism into his death, like as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father. We also shall rise and walk in the newness of life. It's also prayer time. If you need prayer in your life, if you want to be a better Christian, you want to be a better disciple, you want to commit yourself to learning so that you can be able to teach others of the gospel of Jesus Christ, which is your purpose and your call. It's prayer time. Come down front. Fill out a prayer request form. Let us pray with you that God will give you a renewed spirit, that he will strengthen your heart and mind with his word, enable you to become a strong and sound teacher of the gospel that others might be saved. That be your desire. We're going to ask you to stand, and I want to sing an old song. Old song. Just as I am. Just as I am. Will you come?